another edition of Conversations and Connections. I'll go ahead and say it. The official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency, and we're continuing with our theme of having different folks from the agency on the podcast just to talk a little bit about um, what they do. And with me today, I have Glenna Harkness. Hey, Glenna. Hello, how are you? I am doing well. Thank you for um, volunteer. Well, I don't know if you were volunteered or voluntold <laughs> to to come in here and be on the podcast, but I appreciate it either either way. Um, Glenna, first of all, okay, now you're the, I guess I should know this, you're the program director, correct? I'm the program director for the agency. I oversee direct services. Uh, so I've been with the agency eight years. Okay. Um, and, and we'll in a little and after we kind of get started in, in talking, I do want to kind of go back and kind of pick your brain about why you chose this career path and what sure. brought you here and everything. But uh, okay, so program director, um, let's just talk a little bit about um, you know we've we've been talking about the different services the agency provides, and I think. And I may be wrong, but I kind of think when people think about the Family Crisis Center, they think of one of two things. I think they either think about the the shelter or they think about the thrift store. And what I really want to talk about today is the shelter. Um, what what's the just tell us about the shelter? What's it like uh, back there? The shelter is where we house residential clients. So. The majority of our clients, I mean, we serve victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. And so most of our clients are outreach clients. Uh, they still live in their own homes and they come to us for different services throughout our nine counties. Uh, the shelter, however, is where those that need to flee their home, uh, they need to get out in an emergency. And so we want to have um, our shelters open 24-7, seven days a week. Um, it's always open, and so we are always there to meet the client's needs. So what's it, what, what, what's the setup like back there? How, how's it organized? How many beds do we have? We're there? a 39-bed facility. Um, we are set up to meet um, an individual's every need, and so we do serve all. So um, we uh, have uh, women and children and men. Anyone can come into the shelter. Uh, we it's a 30-day shelter, but we do not kick out at 30 days. It's based on their goals. It's based on what they're working on. Uh, but we serve, uh, we have three meals. Uh, we provide, we have a nurse to provide for their needs, um, a child advocate, uh, residential advocate, crisis workers. Uh, so we want to, it, it, most importantly, I guess, is that it does, it's our hotline. So then that is also answered 24-7. So, um, they say that the average person could take close to uh, seven times before they actually leave an abuser. And so the first time they call that hotline, um, that's very important. So those crisis workers need to be trained. They need to be able to handle that call and be able to provide the right information when that call is made. And, and it's a it's a pretty impressive setup. I mean, obviously, besides beds, we ha uh, there's a full kitchen, like almost what a restaurant would have almost or it looks like to me yeah well you have to have food I mean food's the most important thing and so I think <laughs> a lot of times when people are leaving a situation a, a domestic violence situation or a sexual assault situation I mean um, did they get food did those children I mean the mother is always stressed um, she may not 
have chosen, obviously, to come into a safe house, uh, come into a shelter. Um, but the children, it's a different situation. The children are usually happy to be back there. They're usually happy to get that food. They're happy to have a playground, other children. Um, that mean person, they're no longer there. Uh, they have their mother's undivided attention. Um, so they are usually happy to be in that environment. We have a room just for children. Um, we have we do serve a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but we have snacks 24-7. So snacks and water have to be out at all times. And so, and that, and that's for children and that's important. Do you, do you ever find at first, at least that clients are a little reluctant to admit they have to stay in a shelter? Well, or... cooperative living is hard. I mean, it's hard to live with constri- complete strangers. And then let's add the pandemic on top of it. So it is a challenge. I mean, it's it's a challenging environment to be in because uh, you are with complete strangers, and we could they could be bunking in the same room, and and that's difficult. We you know we do have the thirty nine beds, but you are putting people together in rooms, and uh, so there it doesn't always it's not for everybody but it's for safety that's the most important thing is really it's for that safety um it's a gated um environment uh we have uh, codes on the doors um so unfortunately it does have rules um and that can be hard for people uh to have to to have to process and work with uh but ultimately it is for safety and um and confidentiality and also well that's one thing i i think that they need to realize that a lot of the restrictions, it's for their safety and for everyone else's safety that's that's back there as well. Sure, it is. Uh, but you don't want to, you, you have to find a, a happy medium between um, telling somebody what to do and um, encouraging a, a safe uh, clean environment for everybody that's back there. So we need to make sure that, you know, our agency is to always empower everybody. And so we need to do it in that environment so that everybody really does feel empowered and not um, uh, forced to do sure. anything. Um, to stay in, in the shelter, um, I know a little bit about, like, I know, like, the clients, if they're able, they're required to help. <laughs> prepare uh <laughs> sorry glenda just kind of scooted her phone and uh, her glasses back sorry uh, no that's okay um the clients they have to maybe help prepare dinner right if, 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 they're, they're, if they're able if they're interested i mean usually um clients are looking for something to do so they're looking to uh participate and and help with dinner and um uh, help with putting up the groceries um so they're really looking for something, some other options. Uh, they do have a chore list. Um, you do have to put your name on the laundry list. I mean, cause everybody just can't do it all at the same time. So you do have to kind of control, uh, how things happen. And so, uh, mm-hmm. and that can be, that can be challenging for some people too, that are used to having, you know, their own washer and dryer and they can do it whenever they want to. Um, so we, we just do it to keep the peace really, uh, for, for another term. But, uh, you know, we were just really trying to make sure that, you know, that safety is met and uh, and they can 
have activities. We have the child advocate back there. She's coordinating children going to school. Uh, so we work really closely with Lufkin ISD. So the buses actually come here to pick them up. Um, she's making sure that they're, in, they're enrolled in school. Um, any of those, their children's needs. If a child has a birthday, we want to make sure we acknowledge that birthday and get those gifts for them. Uh, we want it to be their home while they're here. Uh, we really encourage clients um, to not spend their money. I mean, if it's if it is an essential need for them, if it is something they need, then let's then the agency needs to look at that. Um, we they are homeless while they're here, and we want to get them to move forward. So what is that going to take? Um, so what are their goals? I mean, is their goals to get into our transitional housing that we offer, or is it to get into their own place? Uh, what is it that we want to do? So we want them to save their money up to work on their goals. And you know, that may start with first, they have to get daycare, then they need to get a job. Um, or maybe they're trying to get their GED. Uh, maybe they can't get a job until they get a food handler's class or whatever it takes. So, um, or an ID, because we do replace a lot of IDs. So um, the agency is here to meet all those needs, whatever it's going to take. That's what we want to do here. Sure. And um, I think a lot of people may not realize that we will help them. Like if they have a job, I guess if we need to, we'll supply them transportation to work. We have transportation uh, seven days a week. Yeah. So yeah. that's... Uh, and that's from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. So we know we can't cover all shifts, um, it, it, you know, night shift and things like that. But, um, yes, we, we are very fortunate to have mm -hmm. that transportation. Well, I know um, our executive director, uh, Heather Cardi, and I talked a little bit about other services we provide. But while a person is here as a resident in the safe house, what services do they normally receive? It's just besides shelter, uh, counseling, I guess. Uh... Yes. Um, so when someone comes in, um, they, the residential advocate will meet with them and then kind of determine what they need. So um, if safety is their main issue, then maybe we need to look at a protective order. Maybe they need something in the legal, uh, the legal world. So they need to meet with the legal advocate. Um, counseling is very important. So uh, we encourage everyone to to go to counseling, to meet with a counselor. Uh, the counselor also in the safe house provides support groups for children um, so that they can be in that happy place. Um, you know, maybe it is housing. And so we want them to meet with a self-sufficiency advocate. Uh, if they need clothing to go on an interview, what is it going to take to get them there? And so... Um, just trying to be able to handle all those things. Sure. Um, sometimes it's just cigarettes. I mean, <laughs> may not be able to help with that, but we're going to try to find a way. <laughs> so, and I think you probably touched a little bit on this, but uh, again, going over like the requirements to stay here. Um, they can't come and go, I guess, at, at well, and, and um, the requirements are that they're a victim of domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, doesn't matter when it occurred. Doesn't matter where they're from. Um, the pandemic has added some some different levels of safety for our agency. So um, now we're not only worried about their uh, perpetrator or their abuser, but we're we're also trying to make keep everyone safe um, health wise back in the safe house as well. So we are limiting um, their 
uh, travel in and out of the shelter. We really only want it to be for a job or for health purposes. So if they have a doctor's appointment, a job interview or a job, um, if they want to just go to the store, which um, I understand that is important, but right now we're really trying to curtail some of that. So really want it to be only for essential reasons because we do have to have everybody's safety in mind. And it's not just theirs, but it's everybody sure. that's back there that we have to protect. Well, and that was going to be one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is how has the pandemic affected the operations at the safe house? I think it, um, when it first came out, I think it really limited our numbers. Our numbers dropped drastically. Um, but I don't think that was just from our end, I think clients were afraid. Um, people are just afraid to go into uh, a cooperative living setting. Um, so there we were concerned for their own safety. Um, we really did try to limit it one family per room. Uh, we set up a quarantine room. Uh, so we tried to uh, really limit that. Um, due to Hurricane Laura that uh, we experienced in August, uh, we did have to kind of put people together more. And ever since, Laura, our numbers have been up. And uh, so we're still maintaining our quarantine room just in case because we know people can be exposed at any time. We're following the CDC guidelines and making sure that uh, people that come in and out are safe and, and maintaining their health as well. Right. Do we work with other agencies? You mentioned Hurricane Laura. And let's say... A shelter in Beaumont, if they have to evacuate, have we ever taken in other clients from other shelters? We have. We have. Uh, we were just recently on standby again during this uh, hurricane season uh, for Beaumont and Jasper. And so we have made we have been contacted by them and we've been contacted by um, shelters in Louisiana before. Okay. You know, one of the things that I really like about the shelter is the things that we do for the kids uh, to keep them entertained. You know, and of course, I know and, and I don't know what the pandemic will hold. But, you know, traditionally during the holidays, like during Halloween, we'll have a Halloween event for the kids. During Christmas, Santa will be here. Um, you know, they they go on field trips. Uh, a lot of times during the summer, and I, I just, I just think that's awesome. We really do try to bring normalcy to them. So if they're going back to school, we want to make sure those kids have back to school clothes, that they're getting haircuts. Uh, we're really thinking about them at all times during the summer. We're looking at different activities if they've to go to the movies. But you're right. I love that the agency does a Valentine's Day, an Easter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, the fun in the sun. And the um, Halloween is great. We're tr still trying to figure out how we're going to do Halloween this year. Um, and our occasions um, are really just to give children happiness. So whether it's to just give them candy for two hours, I mean, that's really what we're here for. If you listen really close, I think one of the buses have come in. <laughs> I think you're right. I hear it too. Uh, how important are donations to an operation like this? I mean, if you think about everything, you think about toiletries, uh, hygiene products, food. Uh, obviously, you know, we as an agency purchase make purchases, but donations are always welcome. Well, and, and um, you're right. People don't realize that. I mean, that is a 
that's a house. I mean, it is a house for many people back there. Mothers are getting their children off the school bus, and it takes a lot to get them there. They need backpacks. They need uh, their snacks. They need their lunch. They need all those things. Um, those kids are going to go back there right now looking for a snack and going to do their homework. Um, and, and it's awesome, but it does take a lot to run that. Uh, it takes a lot of baby supplies, a lot of diapers, a lot of hygiene items. So we need lots of shampoos, uh, for children, for adults, uh, deodorant, razors, toilet paper. Um, it just takes all those things, whatever it takes at your house to, to, you just multiply that by plus <laughs> 40 that's what it takes <laughs> big grocery bill big I grocery guess. list uh, lots of groceries uh, we have an awesome uh crisis worker that runs that kitchen she's a great cook um and she tries to come up with original ideas instead of just um uh, spaghetti and fish sticks i mean she really tries <laughs> to to change it up and uh if someone has a certain any special needs we want to accommodate that if we have someone um from a a, a different culture um and they want to cook and provide that then we're going to add that to the menu um we want to encourage everyone to share and participate what about volunteers do we have volunteers that are able to work in the safe house part of the agency? We do. And we're very fortunate to have interns too from SFA. And so that's a big plus for the agency. Uh, but it, it does take a lot. And it, and we right now we're unable to provide support groups, but we're hoping that that will start back up again. We can get our support, yeah. we can get our support groups going again. Uh, and that's where you need a lot of volunteers to just corral um, the masses and keep ideas, fresh ideas. Um, you don't want to go over the rules every cooperative living meeting. You want to provide new and exciting ways. Um, we have advocates that go back and teach money management. Um, what is interest? What is an interest rate and how does it affect a loan? Um, things like that. If they go and buy that car and it's an interest rate of 22, that may not be a good decision. And why is that? So, And that's a lot of things that I think, um, I think we all need help with. Sure, sure. I want to go back to one thing that you, you said at the beginning of our conversation, and I always mention this, I think, in every episode of the podcast that we've recorded so far. And I want people to know that we can and do serve men. And I guess what I'm wondering is, if a man needs shelter, what adjustments need to be made back there? How is a man accommodated where he's more than likely probably the only male in a and a house full of women. Well, um, we do serve males. Um, they would be put in a, a room by themselves, but we don't encourage any relationships in the safe house. So, um, regardless of the type of relationship, we don't want any relationship. So we're really asking that individuals focus on themselves while they're in the shelter, focus on yourself, focus on your children. Um, everybody has experienced, um, a, a situation and that's why they're here. And so what is it going to take to move you forward? And we really need them to, um, like I said, focus on themselves and their children so that they can make the steps to move forward. So we're just really encouraging, um, everyone to do that while they're in the safe house. Yeah. And I think that keeps sure. everybody mindful and moving forward. And I, and I guess one of the things I think about is if you take a woman who's been in an abusive relationship, and you introduce a man in the safe house, if that, I don't know if I want to say poses problems, but uh, a, 
objections, maybe, that there's a man here. But I think it's also important to know that we have a man who runs the safe house also. Sure, and um, uh, it really, it takes everybody. It, it takes everybody to, to, you know, it takes a village, so to speak. And so I think that when it comes to, um, I guess the mindset of the, the safe house is just women. And that's why, you know, we used to be the women's shelter. Now we're the family crisis center because we do serve all. Sure. And so whether they're in, part of the LGBTQ, uh, whether they're self-identifying, we're going to serve all race, color, gender. And so I think when uh, we really work hard for staff not to have any biases. And so when you bring that um, healthy environment into it, I think everybody kind of follows suit. And so we really just encourage that. Sure. Okay. Um, Now, what I want to know is what brought you here? What uh, is your, I guess, what's your background? What made you decide to uh, have a career, uh, a service career like this? Um. Well, I graduated from Stephen F. Austin State University. Go Jacks. Um, but I have been in the nonprofit world um, really my entire adult and adult life. I worked with the American Red Cross for 12 years. Um, and uh, then, like I said, I've been here eight years now. And so I really do um, enjoy the nonprofit world. Um, I enjoy the being able to assist and help others. Um, I, I really do like that. I think it's incredibly rewarding. And the Family Crisis Center just has a great environment. Um, we are a family here. And so I I think it's important that we empower our clients. But more importantly, I think as staff, we empower each other. And um, it makes for a rewarding uh, career. Do you remember years ago when our paths crossed? <laughs> At, years ago when I know you, you were, came here and gave a presentation right. for but, the but before Center. that when you were at the Red Cross I w- was working at KTRE TV as a reporter and I in, I interviewed you during Hurricane Ike I think in 08 Ike was in 08 Rita okay. was in 05 it was one of those I honestly can't remember but I remember you know Stuart go interview someone from the Red Cross <laughs> okay and it was Glenna Harkness Really? I went at the, uh, where Cafe Del Rio is now. Mm-hmm. The, it was like that a little house, a little house there where the Red mm-hmm. Cross was. Um, I came in and I, I talked to you about, because we were, Lufkin was getting all these people that were coming up from New Orleans and Louisiana and, and the Texas Gulf Coast. And I remember I, I interviewed you about uh, how the Red Cross was handling that situation. Wow. Yeah, I can usually remember things from date from disaster dates, um, but I'm sure it was ninety to nothing. If it was Rita and it was the middle of a hurricane, it was, it was ninety uh, to yeah, nothing. Yeah, it may have been Rita. It was Rita or Ike. It may have been Rita since since you said that. But yeah. anyway, I I didn't know if you if you remembered that. Uh, is there anything else you you want to make sure people know about before we before we wrap things up? Have we covered everything? Do you think? Well. I think so. I think we, we uh, I mean, we're really just here to serve and to be able to make their, um, a, a bad situation better. We're really here to, mm-hmm. to move people forward. All right. Well, Glenna, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, 
for coming in. And if you think if you're listening and you think that uh, you need our services or if you have any questions, I do want to pass along some information. Uh, first of all, you can email us at conversationsandconnections at fccet.com if you have uh, if you want to give us feedback about the podcast or any questions about what you've heard today. And again, if you think that you need our services, you can also call. We do have a 24-hour toll-free hotline. That number is 1-800-828-7233. I'll give that to you one more time. 1-800-828-7233. Again, I'm Stuart Burson. Thanks for listening. And remember, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else. <laughs>